Welcome, baseball fans. It's time once again for the Running the Bases podcast. I'm Tucker Wells, welcoming back Coach Bounds. Coach, good to have you back. It's good to be back. Yeah, better be careful. Kate Fratar joined us last week, special guest and fan of the show. She was really good. She's a lot cuter, too. So, job might not be there the next time you go on vacation. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, So it is uh, a nice and sunny Tuesday here in Atlanta, Georgia. Got a lot to get to today. A lot going on in the baseball world post-trade deadline. Uh, But we did not get a chance to speak of the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So let's start with that, starting with our own uh, Atlanta's own John Smoltz. What did you think of Smoltz's speech at the Hall of Fame ceremony? Um, It was very typical of Smoltz. Um, I... It really uh, appreciated the uh, the comments about the Tommy John stuff, where and, you know, and that kids need to play all sorts of different sports. Uh, that was so John Smoltz. Uh, it went too long. Uh, the thing with the wig was just that was painful, as to so say much, the least. As so much of John Smoltz's humor is, you know, and it's just typical of Smoltzy, uh, yep. and. Uh, that he went nine minutes over what he's supposed to do. That's typical of Smoltz. You know, I, I'm okay with it. He threw out the proper uh, kind of salvo to Chipper, as all of those guys did. BGO talks about Bagwell, you know, and, uh, well, Pedro doesn't talk about anybody, but uh, the uh, it, it was, uh, I, I think we talked about this, all of the speeches were very, uh, emblematic of the people who gave them, and that's what good speeches are. You know, when you think of the good ones over the years, they are uh, remarkably um, representative of the people who give them. At yeah. least in, in recent years. Yeah, I thought the order of speeches was particularly well done by the uh, the by baseball and the org- and the Hall of Fame committee. Starting with Biggio, you've got his grateful sort of like the good father, you know, he's the working man and then Smoltz with the brevity and the humor. And then, uh, you know, the big unit, very stoic, almost looked uncomfortable up there, but very appreciative. And then they close it out with Pedro, the, the, you know, the charisma and, uh, the machismo, um, Smoltz, Something I thought was interesting is that we're starting to see really his growing influence from being on MLB Network. Um, I, like so many, loved the section about youth baseball and this rash of injuries. And um, do you find that John Smoltz is becoming more and more influential in recent years because of his now nationally known as a as a um, a commentator? Sure, he's being seen by more people. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's um, is he more influential now than he was as a pitcher? Yes, I mean, you know, it's just a, it's a different job. Yeah. So Smoltz, you know, was really well known in Atlanta for being very charitable. Certainly, what he gave to I forget the high school, but you know, he like rebuilt one of the high school's baseball stadiums and. Um, you know, his church work and, and all of these different things. And I think now he's taking that on a national level and uh, because he has the platform to do so. How do you look to um, the importance of charitable and, and social work for players post-playing career and how it relates to them getting into the Hall of Fame? 
do you think it's going to matter more for future future uh members of the ballot no no why not not at all it it no. hasn't uh i don't think it helps smoltz i don't think it got him one vote i don't think uh and I don't want to mention people, but there are a lot of people that have had, I mean, there have been a lot of Ty Cobbs through the years. There have been a lot of Certainly. people that have not been uh, people you would want to date your daughter. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't want to defame anybody, but it hasn't. Uh, the, the thing that hurts is if you're uh would hurt your getting in is if you are rude and uncooperative with all uh, baseball writers. Right. That, that delays your getting in, and it has. We know that, uh, you know, Ted Williams doesn't get in on the first vote. You know, I wonder yeah. why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and Jim Rice, you know, doesn't get in. I mean, you know, there, but charitable works didn't help Murphy, uh, didn't help. Uh, all sorts of people that have, uh, you know, that have been in the past. Yeah. Well, one thing that I keyed in on from Smoltz's speech is his shout out to Chipper Jones and saying that Jones would be at the, be there in a few years, 2018, I think it is. But would someone please take away his Twitter feed? And so, you know, we're in an unprecedented era of access to athletes and stars and celebrities. Do you see a Twitter effect for players moving forward, hurting their chances of getting in the Hall of Fame, hurting their chances. I, I no, I I don't see that at all. I don't think that is. A, I mean, unless uh, baseball bloggers can suddenly be members of the Baseball Writers Association, uh, then then it might change some things. But uh, I don't. As long as baseball writers are determining who gets into the Hall of Fame, no, I don't think it's going to at all. Yeah. All right. Well, I beg to differ. I think that it will cause uh, certainly some sort of influence, but um, you know whether or not it'll be discernible, I don't know. Maybe not. Um, haven't thought about it too far beyond that. Uh, I, I mean, if uh, somebody... All right, here, look at what happened to Kirby Puckett. Good and point. the revelations of Kirby Puckett, did it hurt him getting into the Hall of Fame? Not at all. No. I mean, and I, I don't want to sit in, I mean, that's just because it... Uh, well, that's a good example, yeah. Uh, we could go through others, but you're, I mean, you're right. And I don't, um, I just don't see it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, though, the great example for is that anyone was going to get in. Anyway, obviously, Who? everybody knows this, but Clemente, you know, the the nature in which, you know, of the tragedy of how he died, I kind of look at that and extrapolate on it that maybe the number of community service awards won, maybe the, you know, fact if a player wins the Roberto Clemente Humanitarian Award, that those awards may become just as influential as a certain Cy Young or Silver Slugger uh, along right. the way. Uh, and there have been a lot of people that, uh, have said that that was the reward that they were honored by the most or the award that they were honored by the most. And um, I, uh, but that would be for the people who win that award, that would, that type of recognition would be the type of recognition that they would respect the most. Uh, now, uh, 
that said, you know, uh, I don't think that, I mean, maybe it could have, you know, that somebody won the Clemeny Award, but you you only win it once, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, we know, I mean, look at Hudson's great service to the community. Uh, a, a tremendous uh, philanthropist. I mean, he and his wife have uh, done tremendous things. I don't think it's going to help him get in the Hall of Fame at all. Uh, he has an outside chance. I think it's an outside chance. He's got to hang around and compile for a few more years. But Yeah, yeah. that's true. Well, we'll see. Now, uh, finally, Smoltz's speech compared to uh, Maddox and Glavin, uh, you know, like we said at the beginning of this podcast, and as we predicted the week before the Hall of Fame ceremony, Smoltz's speech will be completely Smoltz. Maddox was completely Maddox. Glavin was Glavin. But of the three in a vacuum, which one do you think was the best? Maddox, because I saw him restraining so much and not saying the stuff that he would say behind closed doors. <laughs> uh, Glavin's was the best organized, but too much of a throw out to... Uh, like anybody, there's so many of these ball players who have, uh, and those Hall of Famers are with their second wives, uh, and uh, <laughs> they have to like honor them a little bit more than uh, than ball right. players with their first wives. I mean, every one of them in the last couple of years. I mean, it's yep. uh, the uh, so uh, you know they they were who they. It's hard to say one was better than the other. They were who they were. You know. They are who, who we they thought are. they were. Yeah, they, yep. and they were not who they were not what we thought would be not. Right. All right. So there was there there you have it, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony from 2015, and it was almost instantly overshadowed by all. Oh, I didn't know Smoltz had that many kids. Oh yeah. Yeah, they they practically filled the whole stage when his right. number got retired. Right. So there again, second wife that he had to yeah, I know. give a lot of props to. Um, all right, so the Hall of Fame induction ceremony almost instantly was overshadowed by just how many moves took place last week. So let's talk trade deadline now, post-trade deadline. Um, let's start with the big movers and shakers who are trending upward for this season, starting with the Astros. Astros get Scott Kazmir. Astros get Carlos Gomez. Um, go with the Astros. What did you think of their moves? Well, First of all, if you're, I don't think they were the big winners by any chance, by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, I don't either. You, said, oh, you yeah. know, I, if you want to start there, go ahead. I think we should start with the fact that I think Major League Baseball has is the winner. Really? Here, oh, without a doubt, this new, the second wild card. We had 154 people traded in June, the most ever. Wow. Uh, the uh, and if you look at their collective war. And I, I just as a way of measuring, I'm not saying uh, that you're not converting to saver metrics. No, suddenly. no. But I mean, if you're looking at their collective war of players that were uh, what their war was in 19 or 19 in 2014, it was 70.8. The closest it's ever been in any year was in the mid 50s. Uh, not only were there a lot more players, there were big players traded, and lots of them. And it was all month. It wasn't just you know the deadline days. And that's because there's so many teams that are in it. I think the Astros are one of those teams that uh, get the kind of Kansas City Royals effect. Uh, the whole nature of 
baseball in Kansas City is completely changed by what happened last year, by their getting into the playoffs. You look at the teams that did the most during this, uh, other than the Dodgers. They're, you know, they're been the uh, the Astros. How long has it been since they've been in the playoffs? Oof. The Blue Jays, longer than anybody yep. since they've been in the playoffs. Uh, the the Mets, who are in desperate need of going to the playoffs. Um, the uh, even the Royals playing on you know did a lot uh, just to kind of reaffirm what they're doing. The Blue Jays had forty five thousand people there last night to watch uh, David Price pitch. The day it yeah. was a one it was a one p.m. Oh, yeah, day, day game, game on a Monday. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and Price said, I've never seen anything like this. You know, the fans are going nuts. Uh, it's. I I think it's baseball that's changed because now, I mean, the trade deadline was never a big deal until there was a wild card team anyway. Uh, And it's become more and more. And this was just like an explosion now the last couple of years. Yeah. And good for baseball as well in that it really was a big, I use the word trending tongue in cheek because I almost, you know, just I hate the word because of the, the modern lexicon, but they truly did trend upward with how much the trade deadline dominated the news cycle, the social media news cycle, and just the sports news cycle going, you know, to the end of last week. And that's with, you know, NFL training camps starting up and all that crap about Tom Brady. And, um, so, and, and the Ronda Rousey fight even. So it was, it was hanging tough with all those big news stories that usually overshadows baseball. Um, so, yeah, unprecedented movement, and uh, so let's... Uh, All right, okay, uh, with the Astros, uh, they've picked... And, and as I've said before, so much with the Braves this year, when you start evaluating what teams gave up and what they're getting in return, uh, you heard it here first, you can't evaluate a trade for some time. Uh, the uh, When you're talking... A lot of big-name prospects were traded this time, which hasn't been the case. They've been tr- uh, treated in recent years like um, blue chip assets that you can't get uh, rid of. And now, uh, a lot, of, I mean, look at what uh, Philadelphia got in return for Cole Hamels. It appears to be stellar, but we don't know. You know? We, we don't, but they certainly, in the, in, the, in the short term, won that trade. It appears. You know, uh, the number they, of top 100 prospects. Right. I mean, they got all of Texas's farm system, right. it seems like. Right. Uh, all right, but the Astros, uh, they were in dire need of a pitcher, and they got a very, very good pitcher. Uh, Who's been got, pitching very, very, very well, well as right. of late. Yeah. Uh, he's been uh, one of the best. Uh, and Gomez, uh, you know, villain number one, goes I, to the yep. American League. <laughs> Uh, Thank God. Uh, Mike Fears is a serviceable player, you know, so they uh, they really helped themselves. The first time in a long time. I mean, you remember when they were uh, getting rid of their outfielders for nothing, just trying to compile players, you know, what yeah. did Hunter Pence go for, you know, yeah. a couple of bats, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's, you know, about Scott Kazmir, uh, Kate, who was on the show last week, big time uh, A's fan. So we talked a lot about the A's and their trading history. And um, one of the things we talked about is it's great to see great players move into pennant races. 
Oh, you yeah. know, and so for Casimir to go into back into a pennant race is a great thing to see David Price go from a Tigers team that's in a in a weird uh, purgatory to that atmosphere in Toronto. That that's that's one of the great things that's now coming about because of you know how intense the trade deadline is. But anyway, so Cole Hamels he moves to the Rangers. Did you see that coming? Did you see Texas as a landing and spot for him? The last couple of days, there was you know uh, you saw a couple of rumors about that. Um, the uh, I had kind of given up on the fact that they were ever going to trade Cole Hamels. It seemed, you know, yeah, uh, I, I really didn't care. I've never been a big Cole Hamels fan. No, neither have I. And how does that affect the Rangers clubhouse? You know, they've got Josh Hamilton back in there. Who's who's the leader of the Rangers, would you say? Oh, I would say Prince is the king. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. Right now. All right, so the Royals, they get um, what appears to be the big rental um, in Johnny Cueto. What did you think of that move? Uh, Great for both sides? Yes, I do. Uh, Even though it'll take a minute to evaluate it, that that minute's going to be a lot shorter for the Royals. Right. Because if he Uh, doesn't produce this year, then it's going to be a bust. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, this, you know, this could be a Doyle Alexander, you know, uh, (laughs) the uh, Ben Zobrist uh, is just what they needed uh, on the field. I I was really impressed by the stats about Zobrist as far as his, uh, I think his war is like right up there in the top five. Of the whole of the whole league, very few players in Major League history have been, or in, in my history of, uh, of, as a fan, have been as solid in the infield and the outfield as he is. Who would you compare him to then? Given uh, that, uh, I can't. I, I I couldn't say right offhand who could hit as well as he does. Uh, I mean, I've seen utility players. Joel Youngblood comes to mind. Uh, who could play solidly both uh, both fields, but none of them were as offensive minded as Zobrist. Yeah. All right. So now let's let's talk about the Blue Jays uh, and their their big move prior to getting David Price, Troy Tulowitzki. Um, let me start by saying, what the heck is the Rockies' game plan? Is there any franchise in baseball? And I said this last week, but what what is their roadmap to success? I really don't know. I really don't know. I uh, and they are one of these new teams that has uh, the manager is just the serving boy of the general manager. Uh, and I like Walt Weiss, but I mean uh, the everything is being dictated from above and. One of the things, if you, uh, I think, interesting to note in the uh, this recent flurry of trades and everything, is we have all of these uh, whiz kid general managers around now, uh, of which Colorado has one, and uh, the just like uh, the Padres, everybody, uh, er, there were all sorts of people calling the Padres the big loser in the whole thing because they didn't trade Upton or Kimbrell or somebody else. They didn't trade uh, anybody. They made no. one move yeah. to get yeah. Rez Chimsky. Yeah, right. And I, I think that the Rockies are one of those teams. If you look at the teams that uh, made some of the most moves, Dombrowski, he's old school. Uh, the, uh, so, I mean, several of 
the royals are old school. Uh, I mean, and the um, so that I'm not uh, so convinced that these uh, a lot of these young general managers knew what they were doing. I think uh, it seems to me that the Blue Jays just made a just a steal from the Rockies. You know, I mean, particularly if Tula Whiskey stays healthy. If he stays healthy a year, they're going to go to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, when he has been healthy for a year, he's been the best player in the game. How about that left side of the infield for the oh, Blue I know, Jays now? I know, I know. Donaldson is just about the best third baseman in the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe. Hi, Billy Bean. About, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Billy? <laughs> Billy boy. <laughs> That's not looking so good. Um, so, but you know, the Blue Jays though, they emptied out a, a whole host of pitchers. Oh, they did, uh, two that they weren't going to trade and whatnot, but they went, you know, they went out and got a pretty good one for this season. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And, and what a and, debut. And Lord Troy Hawkins is about as good. And, oh, you were talking about David Price. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> Take, sorry, Latroy Hawkins. Um, well, let's let's talk about the team on the other they end. They got Ben Revere, a good ball player. Oh yeah, yeah and That's uh, right. Mark Lowe. Yeah. What do you? What's your upside for the for the Blue Jays on this year? Just this year? Oh, I think they'll make the playoffs. Uh, and that, I mean, that could be tough. That's going to be two. Uh, I think they're allowed to be three teams from the AL East. And you know something I was thinking about the uh, we're gonna see a rod in the playoffs oh my god the uh i can't believe it well to me it's almost uh, it's almost funny now i you know yeah uh he and to could end up hitting 75 home runs yeah it's they, it's unbelievable the offensive output of the yankees hmm. but um <laughs> right <laughs> exactly <laughs> from from a rod no comment and then Teixeira, who rumors abound, dating back to his days here at Georgia Tech. So, yeah, but Mr. Mom is hitting well, I guess. Um, so uh, let's keep with the the the, uh, the Blue Jays here, though. Um, the Tigers, they the Daniel Norris debut was pretty stellar. Now here's a kid who was their number one prospect in the Blue Jays system. That that article that comes out in ESPN about the Van Man that he is, you know, we picked him for AL Rookie of the Year. They sent him to the minors. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not working out. So now he's in Detroit. So you say well, our prediction of the uh, <laughs> AL Rookie of the Year just didn't come through. It didn't. No, oh, it's, it was right. too bad. Uh, bad job by us. But. Um, do you think that in the long term, let's say the Blue Jays, <laughs> I'm not, but that's yeah. fine. Um, if David Price walks from Toronto at the end after this season, and then Daniel Norris becomes the Daniel Norris that a lot of people think he'll be, you know, what does this mean for the Tigers? Uh, they traded David Cohn. <laughs> that's what it means that's what price is becoming he's becoming like one of the best pitchers in baseball who keeps going to different teams right uh, the uh and is eventually becoming a hired gun at the end of the season <laughs> he's he's david Cohn. more uh, to that point jose reyes is he's he's constantly moving around goes from new york signs with miami traded to toronto and now to colorado 
Well, David Price going from Tampa to uh, I'm thinking of Shields to uh, the uh, right, but you know he's he's been around uh, for <laughs> a guy who's a Cy Young winner. I mean, and likely to yeah. win one at any time. Um, the uh, I you know w- what does it say? Uh, I forgot the question. What did it say about what does it say about the Tigers? They're they're oh, sellers. No. They're sellers. The Tigers were sellers this year at the deadline for the first time in more than a decade, and so. they were sellers. Uh, and other teams who were about as far out from the pennant were buyers. And it has to do with the climate in the city. I mean, um, let me think. Who is a um, – or the Mets, you know, when they made the trade, they were about as uh, – when they started making trades, they were about as far out as the Tigers uh, yep. at that time. Uh, I mean, they made up four games the last four days. Yeah, uh, the, and and they're the Mets. Their most impressive move is and the most uh, the most phenomenal was the one that they didn't make. Um, are you on the Wilmer Flores bandwagon? <laughs> are your heartstrings tugged by this whole story? No. Uh, <laughs> so cold. But, so cold, <laughs> Coach. No, not at all. Uh, I. <laughs> but I, I think it, that's you know. Things like that seem to happen to teams that win. I don't want to say destiny or whatever, but it's like, oh my goodness, you know that yep. that just won them three more games somehow or another. May have already done it, you know. But uh, the uh, I mean, and now last week, Duda's become Babe Ruth, and yep. uh, <laughs> Cespedes is hitting like everybody always. Hope no, 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 no. I don't. You no, know. you don't. You're not buying that oh, the Mets may no. be amazing again? No, I'm uh I am buying it. I'm having a hard time thinking who I want to win, the Nationals or the Mets. Right. Uh, that's, you know, uh you know, that's, well, let, that's a tough call. <laughs> well, about the Flores thing, um you know, yeah, you can't write the script that took place Friday night with that walk-off home run against the Nationals. Um, and that, you know, right there, there's the three games plus that you just mentioned. Um, Kurt Schilling on the Sunday night broadcast says that fans just want to know you care about them as much as they care about you. Kind of like Kurt Schilling cares about the whole state of Rhode Island. (laughs) You stole my joke. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Do you think that this very quote is reflexive of why he is not in the hall of fame? Uh, trying to tie in your other argument. Uh, no, no, I don't think, I think Kurt Schilling was a very, very good ball player. And did he care about the fans though? Uh, Particularly those who are teachers in Rhode Island. Not to my, the best of my knowledge. <laughs> well, okay. So what of the nationals, they make some pretty good moves as well on paper with uh, Papelbon being the most notable, but what do you think about the tension that bring, bringing in a Jonathan Papelbon has created with Drew Storin? You know, I heard Brian Kenny talk today where he said that he thinks the chemistry of the Nationals is all wrong. Now, Brian Kenny has spent the last four or five years just trying to destroy the word chemistry. Yep. Uh, the, uh, but, I mean, his saying how everybody is underperforming except for Scherzer and Harper. Uh, this is true. The, um, I mean, they're just, what are they now? They're, 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 uh, one what, game out, 
one game out and only four above 500. Yeah, I mean, with that pitching staff, come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the pitching staff hasn't been there. You know, it's just been Scherzer. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what it, what it is, but, you know, we've seen it over the years. Uh, and this is where the eye test has to be played. There are certain people that are winning ball players that are just ball players, And I don't know. I don't watch the Nationals enough, but they may not have enough of those kind of ball players. I think they've been really hurt by Worth not being there. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I mean, and it, it's why teams, it's why the Braves still have uh, A.J. and Gnomes on the team, hoping they're still going to get rid of them. Uh, they'll lose them in uh, waiver deals. Uh, the, uh, they're not going to, they're certainly not going to carry Gnomes through the rest of the season and have to pay his guaranteed thing next year. Uh, but they're keeping them to have uh, as much of a positive influence in all of these young kids that they have, they brought up. And people have all, there have been people that uh, throughout times that have not put up stats and everything that are considered just invaluable people to the ball club. David Ross. Right, right. Oh, yeah. absolutely. There you go. Great, uh, great call. Uh, but uh, he's acknowledged, though, as uh, sure. uh, exceptional. I always jump back to, you know, when, when talking of trade deadlines in recent history. In 2004, the Red Sox trade away Nomar, and they get back Orlando Cabrera and Doug Minkavich, and that was a chemistry move. You know, on paper, Nomar, greater ball player than both of those guys, but the chemistry in the clubhouse wasn't right in Boston was all the reports at that time, so... You know, I think that uh, you know that's a testament to that. That that one move that year always comes up in my mind is how important chemistry really is. Um, and then uh, last week we talked about with uh, uh, Kate out in Oakland about the A's last year were going all in. They get Samarja first, and then they bring in Lester. And what they gave up for Lester was Cespedes. And according to her and the accounts that were around Oakland at that time. That kind of killed the chemistry and the mojo in the clubhouse. Suddenly they lost such a big piece of their overall attitude that, you know, you see what happened after that. Um, Oakland didn't exactly win at all. So, no, and uh, the if you th- there's so many teams that have just kind of won by their personality alone. You're talking about the Red Sox. The Red Sox have gone back and forth. I mean, uh, right now they look they look awful at times. Oh yeah, and uh, all of the big name people that they got over the summer, you know, they won't. They're not going to be there that long. Yeah, I mean yeah. the the Premier League model that they've been following is you've very uh, coined. You should copyright that. Um, but uh, I don't think Pablo or Hanley Ramirez will be a Red Sox for more than a year, two at the most. Um, so let's, uh, so the NL East, you don't know who you would want quote unquote to win. I want the Mets. Don't we want to want, we want to see the Mets and this, this energy go into the postseason, uh, pulling for the underdog. Uh, sure. Which is ironic considering it's New York, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, but the Mets have always been the underdog. Uh, the, uh, I, one reason I have convinced myself 
uh, this week to actually pull for the Mets, who I've despised for so long. I mean, I every, well. every Braves fan has despised the Mets. Uh, Favorite rival in the 90s and 2000s. Right. But it's John Stewart's last week. He's a big Mets fan. And so, <laughs> oh, no. so that's the connection. I'm, that's my reason for pulling for the Mets. You know? I see. The, uh, <laughs> that's great. I, it's hard for me to pull for a team that may have the best pitching staff for the next decade. How about that? Division, you know? uh, How's, that? How high are you on Syndergaard at this moment? I don't – as good as the top three pitchers seem to be on the Nationals, I think the Mets may have a better top three. Sure. I would go with that. I mean, just watching Syndergaard, he's good for nine strikeouts and eight innings almost every start. Harvey is like a dark Tom Seaver. The, <laughs> I mean, this team has such a uh, – resemblance to the 69 Mets. It's all pitching, you know, and they're like right. trying to pick up hitting wherever they can. They uh, did well with Cespedes. You oh, know. but he's he's not even Tommy Agee. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. All right. So um, well, let's talk Braves then. Let's kind of uh, um, let, let's go. Let's go into our, our Atlanta Braves. What do you make of the big move that caused all the controversy in Braves country? We ship out Alex Wood, Jim Johnson, a host of others, and our our key prospect, one of our top prospects in Peraza, to get Hector Oliveira. Your uh, thoughts? All right. Well, by the way, what's the name of uh, Azahindo Albies, uh, our number one prospect now? The guy, the guy who played in the Futures game. Uh, I'd have to look it up, which the, I can do. Uh, but. It's a difficult pronunciation. But, I mean, he has – I mean, in the two years we've had him, his projections are going through the roof. I mean, he is – with all the young pitching that we have now, he is our number one prospect. Uh, and uh, he's a middle infielder. We have a pretty good middle infielder already. Uh and, I mean, they're both shortstops. Uh, this guy, maybe he's going to be – I think you could see him as our second baseman of the future. He's the heir apparent of uh, – I mean, he's still a couple of years away. But this guy's a hitting machine. You know, he's uh, leading every league he's in. And they're advancing. He's playing against uh, older competition. He is uh, the fastest person in the organization. Uh, he doesn't hit for power, but he is hitting doubles and triples. You know, he's got gap power at a – uh, he, he seems like the real deal. Uh, and I think uh, Peraza, they kept, you know, they were shifting him to center field and everything, uh, looking at him perhaps not being uh, as good as Peterson. Uh, I think some of this has to do with the current uh, administration thinking that some of our prospects may have been overrated in seeing what Bethancourt had become uh, behind the plate. So the loss of Peraza doesn't seem that big to me. Um, the uh, Alex Wood has been an excuse the pun. He's been a bulldog. Uh, he has uh, gone out and adjusted. Yeah, I, uh, he's been a serviceable, uh, really number four type starter. Uh, I mean, and, and sometimes approaching a number three, uh, all sorts of people say that he looks like arm trouble uh, 
waiting to happen. But I've never been a fan of that delivery, well, just for the record. But that kind of delivery is hard to hit, though. I'll tell True. you that. Uh, the the two relievers uh, were good guys, but weren't doing us any good. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> of uh, those two, which will you miss more, Jim Johnson or Avalon? I, I don't really have an emotional attachment to either <laughs> one of them. I, I think uh, the we may miss Avalon the most. He's pitched more than anybody in the major leagues uh, <laughs> this year. Uh, I, um, but we gave all of this up. We also give up Bronson Arroyo and some money. We have to pay some of Arroyo's thing. But the bottom line is that Hector Oliveira is somebody we've been like, uh, targeting for a couple of years. And what our projections of him are as a middle of the order, uh, probably third baseman. And we get, we have five and a half years of him for $31.5 million. Uh, he appears to be a young 30 years old. Uh, this could be, that would be a steal. Uh, now that's a big gamble. Uh, but the Braves, I mean, the big piece that they gave up was Alex Wood um, well, and, and Peraza. Uh, but you're but, saying we won't miss Peraza in a few years when uh, Albias comes out. I, I don't think so, and I don't think uh, we're going to miss Alex Wood either. Uh, I think the pitching that we have coming up, we have now picked up, because of shipping Arroyo off and most of that money, we now got Tuki Toussaint, you know, one of our best uh pitched uh, six uh, hitless innings the other night uh, in uh, Rome. Or, yeah, in Rome. Uh, this guy is the real deal. He seems uh, a real top-of-the-line uh, prospect. We got him for a backup quad-A infielder. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so, I mean, it, it's hard to evaluate any of this. The Braves, uh, you look at their prospect sheets and stuff, and it's so much more full than it has been forever. And, Absolutely. Uh, it, uh, it's, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun this, this year, watching what may be the worst Braves team since 1990. <laughs> Great game last night, though. Oh, it was. Well, except that uh, Freddie went down again. Yeah, Freddie went down again. Are, are you starting to get a little bit worried that he may be indeed injury-prone? You know, some of his injuries are rather freakish, but, you know, you can't predict such things. But, like, the oblique strains. He had an oblique strain, I want to say, was that 2012 or 13, that kept him out indefinitely. Um, I don't know. He's got a, he's got a, a, as you say, a long swing. You worry about Freddie Friedman. and I, I don't even want to. I like Freddie so much I don't want to worry about him. I don't want to think that he might be injury-prone. Uh at this point. Okay. The, uh, he may be, he's been injured. He's been out more than he should have, uh, at his age, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. And in 25 words or less, describe the Bronson Arroyo era in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) What will Uh, you remember most about the Bronson Arroyo era in Atlanta? 25 words or less go. All right. I was actually looking forward to seeing him plays, uh, in his band somewhere around town because uh, he always does no matter where he is. And uh, I really have wondered if he act- – that's more than 25 words. Right. But I, <laughs> I've also often wondered if he really was any good. 
live. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. Some of his recording stuff's all right. So, um, you know, something else about Alex Wood that, that I actually thought about in, in the in the wake of when that trade went down, our rotation's going to get really crowded in a few years. You know, it, it stands to reason, and I know you believe this, that there wouldn't have been a spot for him anyway. Uh, no, I don't think there would have been. I don't think our rotation will get really crowded. I think we'll have five people in it. <laughs> uh, I, I, oh, really? Yeah. I think there'll be a lot of people vying for the five spots, but I think we're only going to have five starters. I don't think we're going to go the Mets route of six starters. No, because that's totally what I meant. <laughs> only not at all. All right. Well, all right. Uh, I think I really like Whistler. Uh, the you know you can't help but like Shelby Miller. Uh, the we got to figure they're going to give Julio every chance they can to bounce back from this season. Uh, Fultonavich may never get the control that he needs, but he's certainly got major stuff. Uh, the uh, the Tuki Toussaint it appears to be a top of the line, you know, a, you know, a high 90s uh, real deal type of pitcher. Tyler Jenkins, if he's healthy, which he has been this year, seems to be a top of the order type of pitcher. I know, we barely even mention him. Uh, Colby Allard, uh, our number one draft choice, you know, is considered the fourth best uh, pitching prospect in the country, uh, amateur prospect in the country. Uh, Max Fried, the guy, that guy that we got from uh, for Upton, uh, everybody's he's been out with uh, Tommy John all year, and people still consider him a great prospect. Uh, right. I mean, it goes on. Lucas Sims, uh, the uh, he's run into recent problems, but I mean, he's still top of the line. Uh, Williams Perez has been serviceable for us. Your boy Manny uh, Banuelos, yeah, Banuelos, uh, Man Ban, uh, has uh, certainly been. Uh, as advertised. Um, Careful of that arm, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that worries me. I know. Uh, and it may never be. And, and that, that's true for several of these guys. Uh, the uh, We're just looking for to get enough through. We've already got a few top pitchers out there. Uh, we saw Mike Miner down, who might come, you know. Yeah. I, <laughs> what, what about Mike Miner? I, I think know. his picture should be plastered on the side of mail cartons at this point. <laughs> right. I... Uh, I you kind of forget about Mike. Uh, yeah. The uh, <laughs> as you kind of forgot about Aroides Viscaino, who has looked really good as a closer last uh, couple of games. You know, so um, I, I'm encouraged. Now we're and all this means that you, you know Alex Wood is will be an afterthought, right? You know, right. Very probable. I mean, if in a couple of years Oliveira is hitting fourth and uh, playing third base, putting up anywhere near the kind of numbers that he's put up. At every stop, you know, I know most of them have been in Cuba, but right. uh, the uh, well, you know, it's when I heard, just speaking me personally, of course, when I heard that the Dodgers were indeed going to pick up his his signing bonus, it made a lot more sense at that moment, certainly. You know, no, yeah, it would seem like if we were going to shoulder the full breadth of $62.5 million for someone who's never played once in the majors and who also has had a little bit of injury troubles this year in the minors, that bears noting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seemed kind of nuts, but the fact that, yeah, it's, it's really, and when we pulled out, uh, I'm sorry, but, uh, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> when we pulled out of that, tr- uh, that the Oliveira signing to begin with, uh, we didn't have as many, uh, as much financial movability as we have now. 
right. or latitude. Right, right, right. Um, so uh, let's see. Um, so I guess the big loser, if you will, at the trade deadline was the Padres. What of the Padres? I mean, do you think, are you going to, and this, you know, just the the waiver wire trades that take place in August, do you think you're going to see, we're going to see a lot this year? And well, teams like the Padres, who everybody was certain was going to move at least Ian Kennedy and Justin Upton, do you think that those are moves still to be made? Um. I don't think you can get Upton through in a waiver deal. Uh, well, I'm not I exactly certain of, how it works. Uh, he's too big of a ch- any team can pick up his salary. I mean, yeah. any, you know, he has to go through every team. He has to go through waivers for every team, and, and any team who wants to pick up the rest of his salary can pick him up for no trade for right. no players exchanged. Right. Uh, I mean, they they have to give some cash considerations and stuff. I, you know, I but I don't think he's going to make it through. Uh, People, there have been stars with big salaries that were too large that have gotten through waivers. And people put everybody up for waivers all the time. Uh, right. That so, I do remember that that's just, uh, when that becomes news, it's really not news. Right, that he's up for waivers. We don't know. Upton may really like San Diego. And Upton's camp may have talked to the general manager and said, we want to sign a long-term deal here next year. Uh, if you'll give us market value at this, you know, we'll give you this much of a hometown discount because we want to be here. We, you know, there could be all sorts of things going on that they didn't make a trade. Yeah. Uh, I was a little worried about Kimbrell there for a second that he was going to turn into a David Cohn type, that he was about to be shipped around because of the value of his contract for, you know, a couple of trade deadlines to come. So there are teams, though, that will just pick up somebody because they can get the control of him, you know, the the four years or whatever it was, the five years, I guess. Yeah. Kimbrell, I think, his is for four. So, yeah. All right. Well, so what are you looking forward to most uh, as we push towards the 40-man roster and the, uh, the end of the regular season? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Oliveira play. Yeah. That's... So you think we're going to see him this year? I yes. Don't... Oh, yeah? And in September, most, most definitely? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I will look forward to that as well. I hope to see um, Tyler Jenkins start a game in September. You know, uh, could be. Uh, you know, Tyler Jenkins at Gwinnett. Now, I think I want to see Tyler Jenkins start at Gwinnett. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, well, Coach, it's good to have you back. Hope you enjoyed your week off. And uh, thank you, as always, to everybody listening on the website, runningthebases.com. And you can always download these podcasts at SoundCloud and on iTunes. So for Coach Bounds, this is Tucker Wells with the Running the Bases podcast. We're coming in home. We're safe. Good night, Coach. Good night.